0: This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children, such as damn, cock, shit, fuck, ass, and so on.
1: Tonight's episode is brought to you by Alex Jones. Alex Jones, for when you need a pioneer who's willing to address the gay frog problem. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Natalie.
0: Hey, how are you?
1: I'm just living the dream one day at a time.
0: That's all anybody can hope for, right? It's That's
1: it. It's something. It's certainly a thing. I'm getting over a cold. I was not able to speak for a couple days last week. Yeah, so, it was pretty rough for you. And, yeah, it, was a and bit. it was. Yeah, I've had a rough go. I've had a rough go at the the past two months here, but it's hopefully it's getting better. Uh, and that will be noticeable in our interview tonight that we had with David G. McAfee, author. Atheist, activist, and just all-around great guy. and uh, We actually had some audio issues with his episode where uh, half of it didn't record. So if you, if you if you do continue listening to us here, you're going to notice a distinct uh, heartbreak in, in the middle of the interview, and I believe my voice sounds slightly different afterwards because I'm slightly less sick. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Natalie, tell us about our God of the Week.
0: Okay, so um, our God of the Week actually was given to us by David G. McAfee. He said to um, choose Lono, um, who is a Hawaiian god of fertility and music, also of agriculture and peace. Because again, we just we just like to jumble all these things together. Well, because why not? Not at the same. Right. But at
1: the same time, fertility, agriculture, plants, fuck, fuck. people, totally. fuck. I mean, totally.
0: yeah. Um,
1: just plants fuck like by proxy. Sure, of.
0: and then they, pe- need some, they need some help. They
1: need they need some. <laughs> they need a third party to participate. <laughs> and
0: then peace, because everyone's happy after all of that fucking.
1: So. <laughs> Don't we all need a third party to participate? So. But that's a, that's a topic of another podcast.
0: So anyways, um, Lono was one of the four gods who existed before the world was created. Um, I guess at some point there were these four gods and then the world happened. And then Lono... Um, decided to <laughs> to come to earth he descended to earth on a rainbow it's like i imagine he just as you do just, as you do he just slid down you know like it was a slide and <laughs> it's like I, like this looks really fun i just want to come down to earth on this bright rainbow but he came down to marry a fertility goddess named laka um so lono is in charge of bringing on the rain um which I think connects to the agriculture piece. So he brings the rain, the plants grow. Um, he's in charge of that. And then he's also in charge of fertility because, of course, he is. Um, just random little bit of, of history with this god. Um, for a short time, James Cook, the... 18th century british explorer was thought to be a reincarnation of lono and th- and so this is what it's based on okay because this is how this is how <laughs> we decide that somebody is a re like a god reincarnated the course that um james cook's ships traveled around the hawaiian islands they traveled clockwise around the hawaiian islands okay so so that whatever that is similar to the clockwise processions that take place during the feast of Lono, therefore James Cook was the god reincarnated.
1: So what they did is they made up they made up like some sort of celebration. This dude really, he has one of two options of ways to travel around the well, an island. He chose, you can either go clockwise or counterclockwise. He yeah, chose correctly.
0: Right? I mean I like I think I'm gonna walk clockwise around this room after I'm done and maybe I'll be some kind of god or goddess reincarnated. If, and if then that, sit in the
1: corner, yeah. and cry yourself to sleep. Like if
0: that's if that's wait <laughs> <come> <laughs> the on. damn Broadbent
1: story.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I yeah, I'll take that one too. I guess I'm in a basement. I'll just go go cry. Anyways, um, that's kind of it on on Lono. I mean, like fertility music, agriculture, peace. That all sounds pretty good to me. Um, no no crazy fate that he met here. No
1: no golden dick no, no getting crushed no, by a vagina no
0: and so like that's that's not bad though i mean i guess like the golden dick thing is something everyone would want to aspire to well
1: i mean didn't didn't that that god had to die in order to obtain he his did golden dick. He,
0: he, he died and got chopped up to bits and spread all yeah. over egypt and then yeah yeah so like it's not it's not as great as it sounds um but
2: yeah. <laughs> it
0: looks good on paper it looks, it looks good on paper <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so that's that's our our god of the week. So thank you, um, David McAfee. Hope I did it justice, sort of. All right. Tonight we are thrilled to be joined by David G. McAfee. David is an author, journalist, and religious studies graduate. He's written five books, including The Book of Gods and Mom, Dad, I'm an Atheist. So David, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Nice to be here.
0: All right. So we're going to start with what I think we like to hear from a lot of our guests who are into kind of atheism, skepticism, is sort of your origin story of How, how did you become an atheist and skeptic?
2: All right. So I, I think I've always been an atheist and a skeptic. I think both of those would always have applied to me even from when I was very young. Um, But it, I I think the skepticism definitely came before the atheism because I, I was never religious. I never really believed in anything uh, that I heard in church, but I did go to church regularly. And it wasn't until I was about thirteen that I realized that everybody else believed everything that we were that we were learning. That they believed that uh, God would drown every person and animal on Earth, and that uh, the Earth was six thousand years old. And I, I kind of thought they were all just stories. So when I realized that people took them seriously at about thirteen, that's when I started learning more about religion and becoming more active in that uh, in that way. And 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 being openly atheistic and talking about the issue. Um, but as you can tell, my skepticism came first because I couldn't even believe that people took it seriously in the first place.
0: Oh, that's that's really interesting. So you obviously went to church with your family. So do you come from a family of believers? And- yeah, um, yeah,
2: everybody in my family was religious when I was growing up, both my parents and my grandparents who, uh, who raised me for a, a few years. Um, all of them identify as Christian, and to different extents, of course, my grandma would consider, would have considered herself a strict, fundamentalist, biblical, literal Christian, uh, whereas my mom would have just—she's more on the liberal uh, end of that spectrum. Um, but now, the, people have changed a lot since then. My mom now identifies as an atheist, and she credits my writings, and she— is very happy to have broken free from her religious background. Um, So yeah, they were all religious as I was growing up, and now they've kind of departed from that for the most part.
0: Oh, that's like, that's really neat that you, as the child, had that influence on your parent to to have them (laughs) think, to have your mom think more critically.
2: Yeah, she, all of this. She, she talks to me about it all the time. And she'll she comments on my fan page and talks about her former experiences. She used to be a Jehovah's Witness and she has oh, wow. been pretty religious her entire life just because she was told to be. And she was also a conservative Republican at that time. And Uh, Now she identifies as a Democrat. She voted for Obama twice. She is an atheist, a skeptic, and a humanist. But She's always been a humanist. That part hasn't changed. But it's nice to see that she's willing to admit that she's wrong and on certain issues. It's
1: interesting how how those two kind of go hand in hand, too, being overly religious and also being more Republican-leaning.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely in in the uh, in the United States, there's an interesting trend with that. But then there's also that other side where you're so religious that you're that you. It it really depends on which scriptures you decide to make important to you. So if which, you're really which you decide to acknowledge, you, yeah if you're really religious, but you're obsessed with the Jesus loves everyone lines, then that's what you'll, that's how you'll behave. And if you're really religious, but you kind of uh, like the doom and gloom and, and wrath of God and all that stuff, then you'll kind of change your behavior to fit that.
0: Yeah. And, and it seems like it's hard for people to, you know, once they're so absorbed in that, to be, to just force themselves to think critically about all of it and really kind of pick apart religion and see that it doesn't, Actually, make any sense?
2: It, it's true any with list. anything, but religion is probably the most prominent example, just because it's so popular. Most people are religious, and so it's the best example um, of people not wanting to admit they're wrong. Um, we we're just talking about my mom changing her religious affiliation, and she's always been a good example to me of someone who's willing to admit that when they're wrong about something. Um, Other than religion and politics and other things, uh, another example is when I was 16 and I got my tongue pierced, she said it was a bad idea and she told me I shouldn't do it. And then I went and did it anyway and I came back and it wasn't infected and it looked cool and it didn't bother me at all. And she's like, okay. And she went out that day and got her tongue pierced. So she's very, (laughs) uh, very open to new ideas as long as she's been shown to be wrong. So that's good.
0: I like your mom. Your mom sounds awesome. So like, no, she, she sounds, she sounds really awesome. And I just, I love that obviously your relationship is such that the communication is there where you can kindly challenge those, you know, held beliefs and she's willing to change her mind. And I mean, and that's actually one of the things that I love about you, you know, writing this book of gods that's kind of geared towards children, Mm -hmm. but, um, that you're bringing that critical thinking, I think, to, to families from that early age, how to discuss something like religion, which can be so complicated, um, and have parents and children have these conversations. So can you kind of talk about the inspiration for that book?
2: Yes. Um, well, the Book of Gods is a sequel to the belief book, uh, which is our Chuck and I uh, wrote that a few years ago. That's Kind of an introduction for children, I say it's for kids and kids at heart because it really works for adults too. Um, I know I don't think I can name any adults who could read either of these children's books and not learn something just because the information itself isn't common knowledge, it's stuff that I learned in college and I'm kind of trying to boil it down to children for children. Um, and so that was the genesis of the whole series, which there will be a third one coming as well. Is Chuck and I wanted a way to explain religion, beliefs, gods to children, uh, and people who just have basic questions about where religions come from, how stories are passed from generation to generation, how they turn into myths and how, uh, and how different religions have affected one another over time.
0: Yeah. And I, I I read the book myself, um, and you know, I'm 32 years old and I enjoyed it (laughs) because as, as a parent of, of two little kids, I mean, who, I'm not going to necessarily sit down and read this with them now, but to have some kind of framework for when they're older, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, just, just talk about this thing called religion. It, it's really neat to have that at our disposal. Um, Cause there's a kindness, I think, in the way that you approach these topics. Um, like, I feel like you're, and is this the aim to try to be fairly sensitive to the idea of religion and belief and people in general,
2: I mean, yes, but not out of any special reverence for religion or anything like Mm -hmm. that. It's more of just that I understand how beliefs work and why people believe the things that they do. And if you study religion from a phenomenological approach, you really you can't be too upset. You can't hate people who are religious just for that, because you understand that it's basically a cultural identity more than anything else. And Mm -hmm with depending on how the indoctrination setup is at home, it could end up being, I mean, it it could have been you. Anybody could be a believer. And I just try to keep that in mind. And so it doesn't, that, that mindset doesn't lend itself toward being mean to people.
0: Yeah. Kind of like respecting people and challenging the ideas.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned that earlier about how my mother and I have that type of Uh, relationship where I can challenge an idea. And she knows that she could do the same with me. And we do. And I try to keep those types of people in my life. I mean, my best friends, my girlfriend, people that are close to me, I try to make sure that it's the type of people who we can have real discussions without resorting to insults. And we can actually have reasonable debates and dialogue that doesn't turn into uh, what I see on most online forums
0: right? Like actual productive conversations and not exactly. dumpster fire conversations. And yeah. So real life is a little better than the internet is what Much. we hope. Um, and that's the world, I think, that we want to live in, um, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, so obviously, like, you've, you've tackled a lot of um, atheism and, you know, religious type of topics in your book, in your books, but you have another book coming out where you're going to focus on scientific skepticism. Is that right?
2: That's right. Yeah. It's due out in March, 2017. Um, And it's going to be about, basically, it's my journey through uh, investigating different supernatural and paranormal and other extraordinary claims that don't really have scientific basis, but are still widely believed. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the majority of the book, but there are are other components to it. Um, I, for example, uh, I portrayed a psychic medium for a while. I did readings as a psychic um, at Venice Beach and online and have some pretty interesting stories from that experience. Uh, and then I also talk about how we can kind of stop the spread of these ideas and promote skepticism in daily life for normal people who normally wouldn't think about this stuff.
0: So you, you actually sat in like Venice Beach and people came to you to get readings?
2: Yeah. And I did free readings and I had really actually had great success. Um, I actually had people who demanded that I take their money and I told them over and over again that I I can't do that. It's against my ethical code. And I think the exact quote was, but you expended all this energy to give me this reading. And so I have to reimburse you for that. And I'm like, nope, that's not how it works. And (laughs) so I just felt bad about taking any I wouldn't have taken any money from anyone so it was it was interesting there are some uh, there was also a woman who refused to believe that I wasn't a psychic after I revealed <laughs> at the end that it was all part of an experiment um that was she said I was just trying to protect myself so I wouldn't be taken by the government to do experiments oh my goodness oh
0: my gosh so how like how did you feel having that experience of essentially you know people just sitting there and and believing you when you know that it's bullshit yourself?
2: For me, it felt kind of scary. And it felt, it felt like uh, a strange form of power that I I don't want. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that there are a lot of people who kind of crave that. And so that's why it's pretty terrifying that these psychics are so prominent. I mean, people pay I, I in the in the book, I do some interviews with celebrity psychics and I paid up to $500 per hour to talk to one psychic just to ask her some basic questions and people are spending a lot of their hard-earned money time they're making real life real world real world decisions about based on things said by psychics who are just using cold reading tactics that I learned in an hour and before my (laughs) before (laughs) my uh, time at Venice Beach
1: and things like that, I think, so often serve as almost a gateway into the whole culture of like anti-vax, anti-GMO, alternative medicine, and things like that. Because it gets it, it get, just kind of gives you an in where you can, you know, well, if this is true, then you know, this yeah. other, this other, you know, you know, vaccine. Maybe vaccines do cause autism.
2: I which... I, t- I talk about that in the book, and you're exactly right, people people who believe in one of these things whatever it is I don't really have I I don't really have a word to describe it because it's not even just supernatural or paranormal there are also completely natural conspiracy theories that are just equally poorly. extraordinary and can't be substantiated um, but people who believe in these are more likely to believe in others and it just makes sense it's logical that if you if you'll suspend your demand for evidence exactly. on this one topic then why couldn't you just put that out to other topics as you see fit.
0: It's just like this slippery slope of woo and pseudoscience that once it seems like people get going, it's probably really hard to stop.
2: Exactly. And that's what, and that's what my new book is aimed at stopping. Uh, No sacred cows is the title. And it's basically trying to keep people from making that mistake and help turn them around if they're already on that slope. And then it's also good for skeptics in general, just if they're interested in debating these issues to become more familiar about the histories of things like ghosts and Ouija boards and psychics and stuff like that.
0: It's like, it's been interesting to me how I mean, I'm, I I know very few people who are religious in my life. Yet, you know, those people who might identify as atheists, which I find, you know, that's, that is a degree of skepticism there that you are willing to say, you know, there's, there's no God, there's no evidence. These are also the people who are saying like, I'm not going to eat GMOs or, you know, may, maybe sometimes like with the, the vaccine stuff, but mostly like the food woo is what I see mm-hmm. or alternative medicine. What, why do you think there are people who are so able to say, okay, there's absolutely, there's no God, but I'm not going to apply any skepticism to any of these other areas.
2: That, that's a good question, and it's also one of the main topics of No Sacred Cows. And I think in most instances, not every time, but most of the time, you'll find that when an atheist is against religion and they say it's because – I mean, it doesn't matter what their reasoning is. They Sometimes it's because they had a bad experience with religion, so they say that they're an atheist or whatever their reasoning is. You have to look at why they became or said that they were atheists in the first place. If they weren't raised with religion, if they're raised by people who consider themselves agnostics or atheists or don't go to church, then the likelihood of them picking up religion is low. So they could still be atheists and then never have that opportunity to apply skepticism to any real world issues. And they might not apply it to ghosts, psychics, food, woo, or uh, anti-vax or any of that stuff because they didn't exercise that skeptic muscle that a lot of people raised in religion had to. Um, So that's just one example of why someone would be non-religious and even anti-theistic or against religions in general, but still not hold that same standard to other, they'll be alien believers or uh, believers in any number of uh, crystals or anything else. And that's because, like I said, they're, they're raised without the skepticism, but maybe without religion as well well
1: and i Uh, think even being anti-vax anti-gmo itself is a form of religion because it is a belief because uh, again there's no there's there's no data supporting you know the vaccine autism link or you know what whatever the narrative is that that they're sharing there or that gmos aren't safe there there's just no no there is just not there and they're they're making special arguments and you know manipulating data to try to portray it like that or, or even sometimes just outright lying which uh of course um, you know is also consistent with uh, you know a lot of religions and so i did i, th- I think there's a lot of parallels there between between there, the, i guess the anti-science and, and
2: yeah and it's because all these systems are anti-science and so that's where the parallels come in um of course with these other issues you don't have things like doctrines and dogmas and saints and stuff like that but if we do do that, then I'd like Jenny McCarthy to be the saint of right. anti-vax, if you don't mind. That and, and right next to her, uh, Andrew Wakefield. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. He'll be the Holy Ghost. He'll
0: be. <laughs> or, like, or like the Pope of the like, anti-vax. Like, yeah. So, something. But, yeah, it, it's it – well, Who's going to be Mother Teresa, though? Oh, God. Um, oh, we're so oh, topical
1: yeah. here. We're so topical and edgy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's plenty. There's plenty to choose from, I'm sure. But I'm I'm glad. I'm we're kind of glad, glad, glad that they're, they're, not they're not on the forefront of mind. Oh God, all awful. <laughs> I mean, the the fact though that we're like that we continue to have these conversations that people are, you know, saying that vaccines cause autism or that GMOs are dangerous or like this, you know, being afraid of chemicals. Like, doesn't this speak to a general like, scientific illiteracy in this country?
2: Definitely. That's. That's the key to all of this is if I I don't think even the most religious person, if they're also scientifically literate, they don't tend to cause as many problems. They don't tend to adhere to the most fundamental beliefs, or if they do, they keep it to themselves and don't push it on others. Um, Even people who worked on the human genome project are highly religious and they don't let that affect their science because that's Mm. not how science works. The scientific method is separate from your belief structure. And so for people, if they were able to increase scientific literacy in the United States and throughout the world, then you'd see uh, a decline in maybe probably religion in general, but definitely biblical literalism and the more dangerous versions of religion, which is really what I'm, I feel is most important.
0: All right. So we're, we've been talking about um, the country being kind of scientifically illiterate. Are there any striking examples of that scientific illiteracy that you've seen <sighs> lately?
2: Uh, I think it would be easier to point out times in which we haven't seen that, just because it's so <laughs> rampant in today's society and throughout. Uh, definitely the United States, but all over the world. Uh, my Facebook page is a good place to to look at this because even people who are atheists, even people who are consider themselves critical thinkers, they fall into this scientific illiteracy or distrust of science in general. Uh, and it's, it seems to me like it's getting worse, but uh, I, I guess only scientific studies can tell that for sure.
0: And I guess the the question to follow that up with is, what can we do to promote scientific literacy and to promote a more rationally thinking culture here?
2: Uh, as individuals, there are a lot of a lot of things that we can do, from joining activist groups and uh, spreading awareness in whatever ways that we're able to. Uh, I personally try to do that through writing books and. While my past books haven't focused on this particular issue, my newest book, No Sacred Cows, actually does. And so basically from the beginning to the end is, is trying to encourage people to use the scientific method in more than just a lab environment. You can use it in your daily life. Uh, you can also utilize scientific skepticism in your daily life to help you determine what loan to go with or which advertisements are misleading you. It's just something that could come in handy. And I like to just promote it in any way possible.
0: So more like a way of life rather than just, you know, somebody in a lab doing a study.
2: Exactly. When people hear science, they think of that. They think of chemistry and people in a laboratory setting doing experiments. And that's not what science really means. I mean, that's part of it. But the scientific method is so basic that we start doing it as a, as children when we when we first don't understand something and we ask a question to ourselves. And then we kind of test it, whether it's putting something in your mouth to see if it's edible or what. I mean, we're always conducting experiments. And instead of squashing that mentality as we're younger or when we're younger and encouraging people to avoid that science and treat it as a bad word, uh, we should really be kind of encouraging that to grow and and foster that mentality. Because like you said, it really is a, li- a lifestyle. It could be a philosophy. It could be all sorts of things.
0: And I guess not just picking and choosing where we Utilize the scientific method and rational thinking. I mean, I know it's, we we all have our sacred cows, but I guess as much as possible to spread
2: the, the exactly. That's that's li- that's the thesis of my book, and and my general uh, mindset in life is. That nothing should be sacred, and if you apply the scientific method equally, if you set your standards for evidence equally across the bar, then you're not going to end up being one of those people who comments on my fan page and it's like, well, I'm an atheist, but I totally know that ghosts are real. I'm positive about it because one time <laughs> I saw something in my hallway, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you you're setting different standards. You wouldn't believe somebody who believed in God. You wouldn't you wouldn't accept that as their evidence. Well, I, I saw God once. Okay, well, that's not that's your experience experience that's anecdotal, we're not going to take that, but then they'll turn around and use that same logic in another argument.
0: Right. When consensus would show otherwise, but it's just, it's that personal experience that sometimes means so much to people. Obvi- I mean, we, I'm sure we're all guilty of this. Um, we are. Yeah. And, and it's, it's only human. I guess it's just understanding that, you know, we all do yep. it. And to- Th-
2: that's actually a big part of my work as well, um, is, telling people and making sure they understand that this isn't me making fun of people who believe in stuff. I- I'm a human as well. I've had false beliefs. I've had times when I was wrong. I've times when I would consider myself a believer in something supernatural. I've experienced, I've had experience that at the time were so convincing of the supernatural that anybody else probably would have, uh, just accepted that answer. And, all the only thing that was different was I decided to do some research online. And I found out that the ghost I saw was actually sleep paralysis. And I was really just experiencing kind of a complex uh, sleep wake state uh, hallucination instead. Uh, I actually have a on my page on Facebook, I have a uh, album, a photo album filled with only instances in which I've been proven wrong times when I've said something and I was wrong about it. So it's called when you're wrong, admit it and move on. And so I'm kind of just showing people that I can do this, and everyone can.
0: I think that's probably a really important takeaway lesson for for anyone, um, from children all the way through adults, and probably often more times with adults, just admitting and and moving on. That's a, that's a like it's a humble thing that you're able to do that, you know, to put it out there, like, hey, I'm wrong too.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it started just because I wanted to uh, I was proven wrong about something and everybody until that time in public on Facebook and everybody until that time had accused me of only wanting to be right all the time. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, I was just proven wrong in public. I'm ready to I took a screenshot of it and I posted it. And it got really good reactions. A lot of people enjoyed it. So I started doing that with everything. And I I took that over into No Sacred Cows. And there's a section called, When You're Wrong, Admit It and Move On. And I detail two accounts, uh, big, big things in my life that I have changed my mind on after reviewing scientific evidence. Uh, Those two things, in case you're curious, were uh, the use of medical marijuana, which I used used to oppose. Uh, And I also was in favor of um, routine infant circumcision for boys, for young children. And I've backed off of both those positions after reviewing the evidence.
0: That's awesome. I mean, because I think we live in this internet age where there's so much information at our fingertips and to try to decipher what's right, what's wrong, what research, you know, in quotes or otherwise, like what's legitimate is difficult for people to decipher sometimes, um, and mm-hmm. one one area that I kind of wanted to, to talk about because it is something that you that you talk about on your page and everything is um is the area of mental health with all of the kind of misinformation that's out there, um, things like you know running's an antidepressant or eat this handful of cashews it's the same as like taking a medication. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much bad information in meme form, of course. Of course, <laughs> that's out there because it ha- if it's a meme, it has to be true. Definitely. Um, so what what's your response to that as somebody who who discusses these issues openly?
2: Th- this is something that has always been a pet peeve of mine, but I, because of stigma against people with mental health and against diagnoses of mental health issues, I, I was kind of wary of discussing the issue in public. So I haven't hadn't until last year really spoken up about mental health, but. Just to be clear here, I was diagnosed in high school with obsessive compulsive disorder. I live in a house filled with people who have been diagnosed with anxiety and severe depression and psychotic depression, and it's an issue that affects every single day of it affects me every single day of my life, and to see those things encouraging people to give up modern medicine in exchange for running or cashews, it just doesn't make any sense, and it and it makes me angry because they're they're really hurting people. Um, of course, running. I, in technical terms, could be considered an antidepressant. It could help you antidepress. It could help you feel better at some people. That doesn't mean that it's a replacement for medication or that it can fix real chemical imbalances that exist in someone's brain. It's not something that can just go away. It's always going to be there. And
0: so like these memes kind of take a little maybe kernel of truth and turn it into something way bigger. Um, exactly. And And I guess that it's just finding or figuring out how to weed out real and misinformation. I I just, I think that the mental health area is an important one to just highlight because Uh, it can do damage
2: to people. Oh, of course. And there are so many people who are suffering and so many people who can't even open up about their issues because of the negative stigma Um, And when, yeah, when they take a kernel of truth and tell you to avoid real medicine because something in nature can help you, it it puts everyone around them in danger too, depending on their mental health condition. It's just bad all around, but a, a good way to weed those out, I mean, if they're encouraging you on... If a page or a person or a group is encouraging you to avoid modern medicine that has been proven in scientific studies to work, that you can look up their efficacy rates, you can look up everything about them. If they're encouraging you to avoid those, then you can avoid anything they're saying.
0: That's a really good point. Reputable and unreputable sources, Mm -hmm. I guess, right? Um, I mean, I guess I just want to thank you for speaking about these kind of issues because I think it's important. I mean, I, I know Dan. Like posts about a lot of these things too, and you, and just to have that information and that outlook out there is is important to kind of combat the pseudoscience that exists so prevalently on the internet.
2: Thank you. I, I was actually very scared to first discuss this issue, and it happened on OCD Awareness Day one time. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to tell them because uh, I really do think that there's is an issue that more people need to know about, and I posted about it, and the response was overwhelming. Most people were very supportive. Of course, a lot of people said that uh, mental health or mental illnesses aren't real and that people are – big pharma's just trying to get us onto drugs and all this stuff. So, I mean, there was uh, a little give and take, but I was encouraged enough to continue. Well,
0: awesome. Thank and you. I think
1: with, with things like, like OCD, like people just think like, – I think the general – Concept of it is Mm. something where you just, you know, you have to flip the light switch three times before you turn it off or, you know, things have to be like, uh, there's, I, there's one meme that I saw where it's like the eggs, eggs in an egg carton have to be like balanced out on like, even so it's symmetrical (laughs) on each side, things like that. And And go ahead.
2: Oh, no. no you don't. There's a, that's another thing where people take a kernel of truth and then they spread misinformation and it causes mm-hmm. real problems because, sure, some people with OCD have issues with things being even or uh, with repetitive motions or whatever, but that's such a small part of it. And people spreading these, in, including in the media, spreading these lies about OCD has caused people to not understand what it is. And when people when I am open up about it and people are like, oh, you have nothing to complain about. You just have to wash your hands every day or something. If, <laughs> that, if that was my problem, I wouldn't have OCD. Right. And the people who think that, that that they have OCD because that's their problem need to go to a mental health professional who can correct them because it's much more than that. And it interferes with my brain and my life every single day, every single minute of every single day.
0: And so I must. there must be people that have... Heard what you've said or written what you've or read what you've written online and come to you and thanked you, probably, right, for oh, being so open.
2: I, I wouldn't continue if I didn't get those messages from people who said that now they're encouraged to talk to somebody about their depression or something. I mean, some people have said that I've saved their lives by opening up about it. I don't f- take credit for that, obviously, but I just think that the fact that opening up about it myself is helping others, then I'm just going to keep doing it.
0: Well, I mean the work you're doing is is fantastic from the from writing the books to the activism and advocacy for mental health. Um, it's fantastic. So if people want to follow your work or hear more from you, where can they find you online?
2: Thank you very much. And if you want to find me, I'm at davidgmacfee.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash author David G Uh, also Twitter at David G. McAfee. They're all pretty simple.
0: Well, thank you for for talking with us. And um, will you come back to uh, promote your book when it comes out?
2: Thanks for having me. And of course, I'll be happy to be on uh, around the time No Sacred Cows comes out. And I'll also shoot you guys a pre-release copy too.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you guys.
1: counterintuitive it's because it's a reason we also hate the internet because of people like this uh alex jones he is a conspiracy theorist he is i guess host of what the alex jones show or youtube channel and he's he's on info wars and uh, does uh a lot of a lot of kind of kind of weird things but uh, in particular I came across uh, this little video today from his show and uh, I don't really I don't, I don't I don't is there any sort of setup that I need to do no, for this beyond just saying no.
0: No. No, like, you know what honestly I think that the the less you talk about this video the better because now it's just gonna be like what the fuck am I listening to is what people are gonna say okay so, yeah. all
1: right so we'll go ahead and listen to it here.
0: I'm a pioneer. I'm an explorer. I'm a human, and I'm coming. I'm animated.
1: I'm alive. My heart's big. It's got hot blood going through it fast. I like to fight, too. I like to eat. I like to have children. I'm here. I got a life force. This is a human. This is what we look like. This is what we act like. This is what everybody was like before us. This is what I am. I'm a throwback. I'm here. I've got the fire of human liberty. I'm setting fires everywhere. And humans are turning on everywhere.
0: It's so good. It's so good. It's... I I
1: mean... I just love... I just love... I'm going...
0: Is that... Is this what he says to himself in his mirror every morning when he gets up? This is...
1: this is yeah right like I'm seriously debating making this my alarm in the morning on my phone just like it, it's none of it makes any goddamn sense but like fuck you if I'm not fired up
0: now <laughs> to right. take on I mean, the day you're you're a human you like to eat and you possibly like to eat children based on the order of mm. se- of those sentences <laughs> so.
1: well I think he said he likes to make it children. oh I'm
0: sorry. <laughs>
1: Or he likes to ha- oh no, he said, Yeah, I'm reading it here. He says, I like to have, have children. Yeah. I like to have children. I mean, there's that I think we have a bit of
0: <laughs> a cannibal <laughs> issue here.
1: I, I, your words, not mine. He's oh. leaving that open for interpretation. <laughs> um, but he, <laughs> I just, it, he does, I mean, he does say that uh, he's setting fires everywhere. So, I don't know if that's metaphorical or what. I mean, the he the man is, the
0: man is a dumpster fire come to life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he he is he is he's I mean, he's he if you're not familiar with him, uh the best like physical description I think I can give is he looks like a young Terry Bradshaw that eats nothing but chicken wings all the time.
0: Yeah. And yeah,
1: you're supposed to you're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to laugh. I mean, no, I mean, know that it's yeah, funny.
0: Well, no, it, because it is fu- it's funny, yet it's also <laughs> just it's fact. It's like if you told me that the sky is blue, it's like, yeah. I mean, this guy looks like a young Terry Bradshaw who eats nothing but chicken wings. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and this is this is what I am. I am a throwback. I don't throwback to what? What are we throwing back to?
0: Throwback to when Terry Bradshaw was younger and ate nothing but chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I I mean, that's that's the deal. But this guy, this guy is just a piece of work. Uh, He is like, uh, but he's like a moon landing denier. He is uh, like, he blamed the U.S. government for uh, Oklahoma City bombing, uh, blamed him for 9-11. He is, he is just like he said, he's just uh, a dumpster fire so on that note, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you have comments, suggestions, love letters, you can reach us at podcast at enthusiast.com. You can also follow the page on Facebook or our full podcast archive at ascienceenthusiast.com slash podcast. Follow Natalie on Facebook as Skeptical Parenting and myself, Dan, as a science enthusiast. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TSE podcast to get access to premium content interviews and other nuggets of goodness we understand not everybody can help us out like that but if you can't just like james michael another michael alice another michael Joanna, and chris have you would be just about our favorite people at least uh you know for this week so natalie go ahead and hit us with a quote the
0: important thing is oh sorry let me start again all right i have to look at it
1: this is why we can't have nice things
0: i know the important thing is to not stop questioning curiosity has its own reason for existence one cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity of life of the marvelous it is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery each day and that is albert einstein so um should i say uh, who's coming up next week on the show you should So um, on next week's show, we have Buck Mulligan from The League of Nerds and from his own show, Things That I Find Interesting. Um, Because Dan was not feeling well, as you mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I ended up just recording a nice long conversation with Buck um, that Dan has the pleasure of editing um, where we talked about uh, 9-11 Truthers because that was Buck's topic of choice. Um, I chose the topic of us talking about our favorite albums of all time. And um, then we kind of talked about how we're kind of stoked to go to uh, QED next month, the conference in Manchester in the UK. So it's it's a pretty fun conversation. I'm excited for people to hear it. And, oh, can I can I plug the episode I did with, with Buck? Is that okay? If you have to. Yeah. All right. Well,
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and do this it. This is your podcast too, Natalie.
0: So um, I was on an episode of things that I find interesting uh, recently. So if anybody wants to uh, listen to that, Buck and I talked about um, fear. We talked about... Uh, whether or not religion deserves respect, spoiler alert, it doesn't. And we talked about um, uh, the best bad movie of all time, The Room, Tommy Wiseau's masterpiece. So uh, we'll uh, have a link in the show notes. It's on iTunes. And um, it was it was really fun. Buck's a fantastic guy. So we're excited to have him on this show next week.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for joining me this week.
0: Thank you for having me
1: let week. me try that again because my microwave went off okay and my beer is about to freeze in the freezer thank you for joining me this week natalie
0: thank you for having me this week dan i as always it, it is was a my pleasure <laughs> no, my, my pleasure
1: pleasure the yeah. pleasure is all mine
0: that's true it, it absolutely is always and it's all right for me
1: but also the music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. I always forget to add that part in, but it's kind of important to give credit where credit's due.
0: Adam's awesome. And thank you, Adam. Your music has, I don't know, just been super cool for this show. All right. That's a wrap on episode... <laughs> what number are we on?
1: Thanks. 17. 17. 17. <laughs> Ugh. oh
0: you're... oh, so gross i'm gonna go
1: i'm gonna oh. <laughs> harvest pat shanty line and Google. harvest pat shanty i'm not even joking ju- it is it is fucking amazing it tastes just like a pumpkin uh, highly endorse it
0: t- tastes like a this pumpkin message
1: was. It t- it, it liter- i mean it's just pumpkin spice i'm sure but it tastes just just like happy
0: just like happy that's nice
1: All right, so I'm going to go do that. My kids are still awake, so I'm going to go... Be a dad. (laughs) All right, have a good night.